what we celebrate this morning is the Christ who died on a cross and suffered, literally suffered hell, rose again as the victory over sin and over the grave with new life that we have in him. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis where we do first see the promise that after Adam sinned and realized that he had brought death to humankind, God comes with hope of life. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Thus we read the word of God as we find it recorded here in the book of Genesis. And now we want to turn to the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter where we read the account concerning the resurrection of our Lord. Reading from the first 18 verses of John chapter 20. This is the word God. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to our homes. Now for our consideration this morning. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thus far, the reading of God's most holy word. resurrection of Christ is certainly a great event, one in which we rejoice and praise God, which we celebrate as we ought to. And particularly, it is the celebration of life. As I indicated in my prayer, not only the life of Christ, but as Christ walked forward from that tomb alive, we walk with him by faith to a new life. And that life has to do with not just someday, but the life every day that we live here on earth. And so the resurrection of Christ is not only about one day a year that is important. It is indeed the foundation of the gospel. It is the foundation of your life. Yet Jesus is not just the risen Savior. He is the Lord. He is the King. He is the Lord who has died that you might live and the Lord who is on the throne seated at the right hand of God. So as we celebrate not only today but each Lord's Day 
we meet to worship and to praise God because of his resurrection, it is possible to claim faith in Christ. You need to be aware of this. It is possible to claim faith in Christ to even celebrate the resurrection and yet not really know what it truly means to belong to him. And so consider with me this little incident that took place when Mary first saw Jesus. Jesus is, is giving her faith. She looks at Jesus and says, and, and he says, Mary. And she says, Jesus, understanding that she saw him. But he continues to work on her faith. So what is that faith that she needs yet to understand in addition to just simply saying, I see you, Lord. Now, Mary was a person who was very close to Jesus. She had a great devotion to him. And one of the things that was common for that culture was that as people died and were buried, they were buried in open tombs as Jesus was. And it was a, a sign of respect for and a sign of love for, and taking care of the body even after death. And to do that by means of anointing it with perfume. And so, this is what Mary is seeking to do. But keep in mind as well, even as we read the disciples, they had been with Jesus. They had been close to Jesus. And yet, their understanding was not there at all as it ought to be. They did not really trust that he would be risen. They couldn't understand what had happened. They sorrowed at first when they saw that the body was gone. And Mary's faith is yet to be what Christ would instill in her and in all of us. And so as she is intent upon providing this care for the body out of devotion, understand that she truly loved this person, Jesus. And it was out of her devotion to him. She was desirous. She was willing to do whatever it took to take care of those needs. And so she was greatly distraught. She did not find his body. It was important to her. We can commend Mary, in fact, for her devotion to her Savior, her Master, as she understood him at this point. But as with the disciples, she was yet quite efficient in her faith. And so she looks around, she sees this individual. Why she did not recognize Jesus, we don't really know other than it is a matter of faith. But it is a beginning, and when you have found Jesus, it's not just simply sufficient to say, oh yes, I know Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean for you? How do you understand that? And so, we might say, there is a sense of seeing Jesus and yet not 
seeing Jesus. We learn even before, we learn even more about the lack of faith. There are several incidents quite familiar with Jesus uh, at first was not recognized. We do know that there's some sense in which the resurrected body is indeed a resurrected body. But it's not that Jesus all of a sudden looked way different. It's not that Jesus all of a sudden was some stranger that no one could have recognized. He is the same person. There's no reason to believe that his personal looks had changed as though he had undergone, you know, like someone undergoing plastic surgery or something. The reality is simply the inability to see is a faith problem. She was unable to see Jesus because she did not have the faith in a resurrected Lord. Reminded of the confrontation that took place uh, back in chapter 6 of this of this Gospel of John, in which Jesus is having a confrontation with the Jewish leaders who are always uh, uh, struggling with him and, and, uh, and uh arguing against him and trying to oppose him. And they said to him, Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And so they're standing right there, they see him. And he said, You do not believe because you are not one of mine. It's a matter of faith. Not that Mary was not of the father's sheep. Clearly she is. But until and unless the Holy Spirit opens the eyes, no one will see the Lord. Not truly. Her faith is then at this point not yet complete. Her devotion is commendable. But yet her eyes needed to be opened to see the truth. You know, there's a very, very important question here. What, in fact, took place? What happens so that she finally, looking at this person she assumed to be the gardener, recognizes that it is Jesus? Did she finally look a little bit more carefully, get the tears out of her eyes, and say, oh, I I didn't see you? No. Did she momentarily have a memory lapse? No. Jesus looks at Mary and he speaks her name. Probably in the familiar, he said, Miriam to her in Aramaic. And when Jesus calls to Mary, when Jesus speaks to her, she responds. It is Jesus who brings Mary to the point that she recognizes him. You know, the truth of God can be right there. And with many people, that is often the case. There are many who have seen, many who do not know anything about God. Therefore, there are many who have seen the truth of God, have heard the truth of God, and simply do not understand, do not see its reality. Mary had not been someone attempting to run away from Christ. She was devoted and dedicated as anyone But until the Lord made himself known to Mary, 
she did not see him. Jesus does make himself known to his people. Even as he said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Mary heard the voice of Jesus there at the tomb. But now again, think about what happens when Jesus does call out her name. He says, Mary. We read that she saw Jesus. She responded and called out to her teacher. Again, a relationship that was very very close, very devotion. She called him Rabboni in Aramaic. Uh, in, in that sense, she recognized him for who he was. The Savior. The Teacher. The Word of God became flesh. She expressed her faith in that brief statement when she called out Rabboni. When Jesus makes himself known to you, confess him. It's what it means to hear the call of Jesus and to follow him. And so now here with Mary we have someone whose eyes of faith have been opened. She responds to the call of Jesus, who knows Jesus. It's not just as a as a loved friend, but confesses faith in him. Rabboni. But now let us yet Notice, very importantly, let us look what we learn further about this faith in Jesus. It has continued to do with seeing Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What is this clinging by Mary all about? Was she trying to give him a hug to physically uh, 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 touch him and, and surround him? And, and, and is he just saying, well, don't get too close. I really don't like hugs. This is not about physical touch. Jesus was not preventing her from giving him a hug. I don't know whether she did or not. I don't think that's the point. We do read in Matthew 28, verse 9, that in fact they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. So there's not something there about that the risen Lord could not be touched. But this is something way different. This has to do with how they understood their relationship with him. And what it means for the place which he occupies when he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Understand that the context, again, a bit further about Christ and his disciples during his time here on earth as as the the one who who was teaching and was healing and who was with his disciples. This was a very close-knit group. This was a group in the midst of the world at that time in which the politics was, the Roman Empire was in charge, and it was not uncommon at all for various little sort of uh, uh, 
rebellious groups to rise up and were just troublemakers. And anyone who had some sort of group like that was looked upon uh, uh, with, with great disdain and with suspicion. And so this group was very close-knit in their relationship. And this is a group that knows the Scriptures. They know of the calling or the promise of a coming Messiah, and they have now found this person. And they're following him. He's with them. And then he's taken and arrested and crucified. They are hiding out, if you will, from the authorities. Then he comes and appears again, and there he is. He says, wow, we got him back again. We want to keep him. We want to surround him. Jesus says, no. I'm not just here to be with you in this little close-knit relationship and, and just to be happy with that situation. He is here to be the king. And ascending to the Lord, which again means they're going to have to give him up. He's going to be gone physically from them. But seated at the right hand of God, Jesus is telling Mary that this is just so much more than simply about her having restored that close-knit, loving relationship between the Master and the student. For Mary and the others to just hang on to Jesus. To just say, well, let's not, let's just go off somewhere and let's stay together and let's enjoy each other's company. Much less like, uh, much like if somebody says, well, I have found Jesus. He and I are, we're just friends. Uh, I don't care about any of the rest or any of the church. Just he and I are together as one. For her to just hang on to Jesus is to, is to, not allow or not see the big picture. Jesus needs to be on the throne. He needs to have ascended into heaven. He needs to be seated at the right hand of God. And to truly be devoted to Jesus is not to just hang on to the idea of Jesus. Not just to say He's my friend, but to live for Jesus. To serve Him. It is to be ready to be used of him to reach the lost and the far, whether it is part of God's people. Certainly there is a fellowship. There is a, a worshiping, even as we are engaged in now, and Christ being here in our presence speaking to us. That's a wonderful thing. We praise God for that. The kingdom of Christ is far greater. It is not limited to any borders. It is a worldwide kingdom. You are not simply here to see what Jesus has done for you. Though that is of ultimate, ultimate importance. How wonderful it is to know that Christ has died for my sins on the cross. For your sins. You are also here to be a soldier in His army. For that He needs to be on the throne. And you need to have an interest that's what he's saying to Mary, don't cling to me. You need to have an interest in what he would have you do for him in his kingdom. Consider the second chapter of 1 Peter. Where we read in the verses 4 
through 10. And what we see here is not just about saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How great it is to have Jesus. But it's being part of the something which is Jesus is building that we are His servants and His kingdom, a kingdom of priests. It speaks about, particularly verses 9 and 10, about service to Christ who was on the throne. So, even though Mary's eyes were opened by Jesus' call to her, and she initially sees Jesus and confesses Jesus, but there is yet so much more that she needs to understand. Her faith needs to grow, as it does for all of us. She needed to do more than just recognize Jesus. Many recognize Jesus in some sense. Many, of course, do not at all. But many do. Many are even devoted to the idea of Jesus and speak fondly of some relationship with Him. And I don't mean to belittle that. We do confess Christ. We do need to confess Christ. To say His name. But here's the thing. It is possible, in fact, to have a sense of Christianity in which that is all that it is. Many even go to church today because it's Easter, call upon Him because He is important to them. And tomorrow and the rest of the week, set him aside Jesus is not just someone for you to say I know Jesus and feel good about him nor is complete faith in him simply I have confessed him I know something about him I remember the church again not taking anything away from the importance of that itself but when you confess Jesus you need to recognize him as the resurrected and ascended king as Mary was told to do to tell her disciples To recognize Jesus is to be ready to serve Him in His kingdom. Just think about how many people across the country will be in church today and won't be there again for the next six months or maybe until Christmas. Also, even if they are more often, how many of them will be given their lives in service to Christ, saying, Here I am, Lord. The resurrection of Jesus is about the glorious kingdom of Christ. To celebrate the resurrection in faith is to live your life recognizing the risen Lord, the master of your life, and the ascended Lord, seated to the right hand of God. Jesus did ascend into heaven, yet Jesus says to you today the same thing that he said to Mary. God has not called you to simply have an emotional tie to him. That's what you're clinging to, Jesus' words are to you. Don't cling to me. Remember, Jesus said, there will be many who will say, Jesus, Jesus. And I will say, I never knew you. Jesus is asking you that if you are indeed celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, then you will recognize him as the ascended Lord. He has a job for you to do. He has a life for you to live. That new life, what do you cling to? What's really the ultimate thing that's important to you? Because Jesus rose from the dead. I call on you and I trust that you cling to the resurrected Lord, 
who has sent it, who has called us that we see him, open up our eyes of faith, and who has ascended and seated at the right hand of God and placed us as members and servants in his kingdom. Let us pray. Our God and Father, what a joy. What a great resurrection. We pray, O Lord, that we might truly see you. Even as Mary did, and further, that we might understand our devotion as we ought to. Open up greater and greater our eyes of faith, O Lord, and teach us, use us, advance your kingdom in this world, we pray. In Jesus' name.